Hey there, thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope that the message that you are about to hear not only encourages you, but helps you follow Jesus like never before. If you feel blessed by this teaching, I wanna challenge you to do two things. First of all, share this with someone that you know needs to hear this. And second of all, I want you to consider giving back to the ministry so that other people that just like you could also grow in their relationship with Christ. To do so, simply go to cfmiami.org give, and there you can follow the instructions, all right? Thank you so much. We hope that you enjoy this teaching. Amen, amen. How many of you believe that today, that He is a faithful, good God, even when we're not faithful, God is always faithful. He is with us. He is for us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. If you believe that today, come on and give Jesus a loud shout of praise. Come on. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, we want to welcome you to Christ Fellowship. And my name is Carlos, and I serve as the executive pastor here, part of the teaching team as well. And I want to take a moment and welcome everyone who's joining us for the first time at all of our campuses, West Kendall, Doral, Redland, Core Gables, downtown. If you're watching us online, can we give it up for them, all the first-time guests? Amen. Well, we are in the middle of a series that we've entitled Skeptics Welcome. And uh, I know some of you maybe are skeptical of the faith and maybe you're not a believer. Uh, we want to welcome you to our church, or maybe you are a believer uh, but there are certain questions that you have that maybe you uh, have some doubts. And so we want to welcome you as well. You are welcome in this place. And so uh, Pastor Omar did a phenomenal job last week. Can we encourage our lead pastor? And uh, today we're going to dive in to Genesis 1, 26. And we're going to begin in 26 and then 27 and also go to Hebrews 2. So if you have your Bibles, you can open them up. If you don't have your Bibles, all the verses will be up on the screen. How many of you are ready? All right. Awesome. Here's what the Word of God says. Then God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Look at what the author of Hebrews says in chapter 2, verse 6. What is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you care for him? In other words, who am I that, that you think about me, that, that you care about me? You made him for a little while, lower than the angels. You have crowned him. Say with me, crowned. Say it like you mean it, crowned. Crowned him with glory and honor. Amen. You can have a seat now at all of our campuses. And You know, growing up as a child, I was really into math. I was really good with numbers. And even till this day, I'm, I'm good with math. And I also loved history, specifically I loved American history, but there was a subject that I was really not into and I didn't enjoy and I was not good at at all, and it was the subject elective of art. Uh, I was never a good painter. I was never good at drawing. In fact, my oldest son, Noah, who's nine years old, he actually draws really, really well and he is fascinated and loves art. But even though I was not into it, we've all learned and we've all studied about this incredible, fascinating piece of art called the Mona Lisa, right? We've all seen it. We've all heard about it. And the Mona Lisa is the most valuable. It's the most worthy. It's the most prestigious and most expensive piece of artwork. This masterpiece is so valuable. But here's the thing about the Mona Lisa. The, the reason why it's valuable, it's not because of how it looks, 
Uh, it's not because of the details. It's not because of the color radiation or the color scheme or how fascinating it is. But the reason why the Mona Lisa is so valuable is because of who created the Mona Lisa. See, the Mona Lisa was created by Leonardo da Vinci in the 16th centuries, and da Vinci is known as the greatest artist, the greatest painter to ever exist. In fact, historians believe that it took da Vinci about four years uh, to create this masterpiece. You see, the Mona Lisa is da Vinci's crowning act of his vision. It's da Vinci's crowning act of all of his emotions, of all of his creative abilities, of all of his skills, of all of his aptitude, all poured into this masterpiece. And because of that, the Mona Lisa now sits in a museum in France, and it's worth $860 million. $860 million. Now, if my oldest son Noah, who's nine years old, were to this side and say, Dad, I want to draw the Mona Lisa, and he gets a canvas, and he begins to draw all the details, and he begins to nail every single angle and all the different color radiation, and he were to draw the exact image of the Mona Lisa, and then he were to sell it online, it would not sell for $860 million. In fact, it would be a fraction a percentage of, a, a fraction, a percentage of, of that amount. Why? Because the value of the masterpiece is in who created the masterpiece. You see, let me bring all of that over to our teaching for today. Because don't miss the point in all of this. Because just like the value of the Mona Lisa is in who created this masterpiece, in a much greater way, in a much more profound way, your value as a person, your value as a human being, your value as a male and female comes in who created you and how you were formed, how you were made, how you were brought into existence into this world. But when it comes to this question about creation and how we came into existence, there are two options that we have. We either believe that this omnipotent, omniscient, immutable, sovereign God created us, formed us, made us to, this, to come into this world, or we're a product of evolution, of naturalism, genetic modification that is affected by natural selection, chance, and changing environments. So which one is it? Are we a product of evolution, or do we believe that we were created by God? So that's exactly what we're going to find out today. And if you're skeptical and you're like, you have questions, listen, you are in the right place. And so we love uh, to take notes here. Yeah, you can clap it up. And so if you have your listening guides, take out your Christ Fellowship app, and I want you to write this down as your first point for today. God created mankind. God created mankind. Now let's go back to that passage in Genesis chapter 1, because here's what the Word of God says. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, let me give you a little bit of context to set up the teaching for today because many of you have heard or read the Genesis account about creation in chapters 1 and actually chapters 2 as well. 
But God creates for six days. He creates everything that we see in this world. He creates the heavens and the earth. He creates the lights. He creates the animals. He creates the fish. He creates the mountains. He creates the vegetation. And throughout Genesis 1, before we get to verse 26, God says all these statements, all these commands, and they take place. God says, let there be lights, and there was lights. God said, let there be stars, and there were stars. God said, let there be vegetation, and there was vegetation. God said, let there be fish, and there were fish. God said, let there be animals, and there were animals. But here's the interesting thing. When we get to verse 26, and he begins to talk about creating humanity, his language completely changes. You see, it goes from statements and commands to now personal language. Now this is a personal thing, because Genesis 1.26 says that God said, let us make man in our image. This is a relational thing. This is now an intimate thing. In fact, if you're taking notes, that verse there, let us make man, we see the Trinity there. We tell you that we believe in a triune God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and we see the Trinity involved in the creation of man. In other words, we've made the animals, we've made the stars, we've made the galaxies, we've made the heavens and the earth, but, but now, man, this is a whole nother level. Now there is intimacy. Now this is a personal thing. Now this is a relational thing. I love what the author of Hebrews, look at what he says in chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. He says, what is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you care for him? You made him. Say it with me, made. made. Say it like you mean it, made. made. If you're taking notes, I want you to circle or underline that word made. We've told you many times that the New Testament was first written in Greek and then translated into other languages. And that word made in the Greek is the word elato. Here's the amazing thing about that word. It doesn't only just mean to make something. It means to create something. See, there's a difference between making something and creating something. When you make something, you use your hands and you use your back. You assemble it, you, you make it. When you create something, you use more than your hands and your back. You use your mind. You use your intelligence. You use your, your design, your skills, your creativity goes into creating what you're about to, to make. You know, my, my wife, uh, she loves to go to Ikea. And so uh, how many of you like going to Ikea? Make some noise, yeah. Come on, you can make some noise, 9 a.m. You can make some noise at all of our campuses. I don't like going to Ikea, so it's like seven floors of all this furniture, and I know if we go there, we're going to be there all day, uh, and but I will tell you that that's the only place that you can find uh, beef hot dogs for 50 cents, but so I don't know what's in that hot dog, but uh, it still tastes good, but here's the thing about Ikea. When you, when you go to Ikea and you buy a piece of furniture, you go back home, and then what do you do? You assemble it. You make it. You get the manual, and you just follow the instructions, and you put together the bookshelf, the coffee table, uh, the, 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 the couch, whatever it is that you purchase, you're, you're making that. But when you create something, it's much deeper than that. 
When you create something, if you're going to create a coffee table, you're thinking about, okay, how is it going to look? What's the size? What's the width? What's the height? How long is it going to be? What color is it going to be? And you start creating it. You start engineering it. You are the intelligence designed over that product. You're, you're the engineer. You're the architect over that product. And now that coffee table becomes much more valuable and much more worthy. It has a lot more dignity, it has a lot more worth to you than something that you just made. See, there's a difference between making and creating. And I want to remind you, church family today, child of God, that the God of the universe, the God who created the heavens and the earth, the God that we read in the Bible, in every 66 books in the Bible, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament, the omnipotent, omniscient, immutable, sovereign God didn't just make you, but he created you, and he created you to have a personal and intimate relationship with you. You're not a mistake. You're not here by accident. You're not here arbitrarily, but God created you. How many of you believe that today? Come on, at all of our campuses. Come on and give Jesus a loud shout of praise. He didn't just make you. He created you. That's something so special that we read in, in Scripture. And I love this. Because look what the Bible says in Genesis 2. You were created, if you're taking notes, in his image. Look at what it says. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female he created them. Think about this for a moment. As beautiful as the ocean is, it was not created in the image of God. As majestic and splendor and how much you admire the sunset, it was not created in the image of God. Let's make it a little personal. As much as you love your puppy, your dog Spike, Hunter, even has his own Instagram account, you tag him all the time. He has more followers than you. You feed him better food than your children. As much as you love your dog, he was not created in the image of God. He's not. As much as you love your cats, we're going to pray for you after the service. <laughs> I'll just kidding. I like cats. It's all good. Whatever you call your cat, Darla, whatever the cat names are out there, that cat was not created in the image of God. It's only humanity that God says he is created. You are created in my image. But what exactly does it mean that we are created in the image of God? Listen, we can spend an entire sermon series talking about what that means. But I'm going to give us three simple things that it means to be made in the image of God. Number one, that we have, uh, we have um, a spiritual nature. Number one, we have a spiritual nature. We've said this before. Just like God is a trinity, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, we are a trinity as well. We have a physical body. We have emotions, our soul, and we also have a spirit. This is what allows us to connect with God. This is what allows us to have a relationship with God. Animals cannot have a relationship with God. And so we have a spiritual nature. Uh, we also have uh, intellectual, our intellectual ability and creative ability as well. There is no other species that has the ability, the creativity that we have and the intellectual ability that we have to see all the advances and how we've progressed as a society 
and all the research that we've done. Listen, we're not against science. Science is a good thing. Research is a good thing. There's a lot of Christian scientists. And so to see all the advances in technology and see how we've grown as a, as a society is because God made us unique. He made us in his image. And so we have the intellectual ability and we have um, creative abilities. And, and the last thing is that we have the ability to make ethical choices. And so you're taking notes, spiritual nature, ability to uh, intellectual ability and creative ability, and also uh, the ability to make ethical choices. Now, some of you may be thinking, Carlos, you know, there's a lot of wickedness and there's a lot of evil and there's a lot of sin. And, and, and what, do you, what, do you, what do you mean that, that eth- ethical choices? Listen, because of sin, that perfect image that God had created, that we were in his image, has been distorted. And so until he makes all things new, he is restoring all things. He's going to redeem all things, that we're going to have a, we're going to be a, have a new body. We're going to have our glorified bodies, and we're going to be in his presence forever. But nevertheless, we are made in the image of God. And, and here is the amazing thing. When God looks down on you, when he looks at you, because you are made in the image of God, there's something of himself that he sees in you. When you look at your children, I have three children, there's something of yourself that you see in your children. We saw parents dedicate their children at all of our campuses. Can we encourage them? Yeah, can we encourage them? Amazing. There's something of themselves that they see in their children. When I look at Noah, he's nine years old. Some of his character, some of his personality, I could identify with him because it's some of who I am. When I look at Everly, my four-year-old, what I see from her is her energy. She's a ball of energy. She's always moving around, which is why I never can stay still, and I'm always moving around as well. So I see that in Everly. And when I see Nathan, what he has of me, uh, he has my my height. (laughs) Or better words, lack of height. He cute, but he's short. And so I, kid, I tell you all the time, I, I'm 5'7 in a good day, and if I'm wearing my boots, I'm 5'8. I, I kid you not, I went to the Coral Gables campus two weeks ago. I love Coral Gables, but I just want to say this because this is hilarious. Some lady came to me. She's like, Pastor Carlos, oh, we love you at Coral Gables. She gave me a hug, and she's like, oh, you tiny. I like, God bless you too. <laughs> I'm blessed and highly favored. Thank you so much. I needed that self-esteem boost. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, I think she was telling me I'm tiny because probably because I've lost a little bit of weight, whatever, but I'll take it as that. But, you know, there's something of myself that I see in my children. Can I remind you today, you are God's crowning act. He saved the best for last. You're not here by mistake. You're not here by accident. You're not here arbitrarily, but God sees something of himself in you. The Bible says in Psalm 139 that you were fearfully and wonderfully made. How many of you are grateful for that? Come on and give Jesus a loud shout of praise. Amen. But I know what some of you are thinking. Uh, Pastor Carlos, I'm tracking with you and I get you, but you're just talking about the Bible. That, that's what the Bible says. We're in skeptics. Welcome. You know, that's what Genesis says. I know the account in chapter 1, and I know Genesis 2, but I've been taught about evolution from a young age, middle school, high school, undergrad, grad school, as I advance in my education. Here's the thing about evolution. We're going to talk about it now. See, the problem with evolution, it is, an, and if you're taking notes, write this down. 
It is an unproven theory that is taught as fact. Unproven theory that is portrayed, it is preached, it is taught as something that is factual. Basically, evolution teaches that mankind arose out of non-living matter and that the elements of the periodic table, basically the dirt with no supervision, no intelligent design, no one architecting it, no, no one engineering it, all of a sudden this dirt formed into complex living matter, spontaneous generation. This idea that something came out of nothing and, and there wasn't a creator, there was no one designing it, there was no one who was the architect behind it, and all of a sudden, this non-living matter formed into complexity, formed into some form of algae, then eventually the algae formed into a tadpole, into a frog, and eventually that formed millions of years later into a monkey, and eventually human beings evolved into human beings from a monkey. Millions of years. And they teach it, they, they bring it about like, like it's a fact. And if you, if you don't believe that, then you're unintelligent, uh, uneducated, uh, unscientific, you're archaic, and, and you're dated. You're outdated and, and you believe in just a, a fairy tale. And so that's what they portray. And, and, and in fact, we've all seen the different hypothetical stages of man's evolution. And we've seen it in uh, textbooks. And I, I love to go to museums. I love to go to the Smithsonian Museum in Washington. And, and I love to go to the museums when I've gone to Chicago and New York and Boston. We, my wife and I, we go there all the time. And we see some sort of these type of pictures. The thing is, when we see that, they're actually the figment of someone's imagination, of an evolutionist imagination. Charles Darwin himself, when he postulated the theory of evolution, he said, if my theory is correct, that man transitioned from ape to human, then we will find millions of transitional fossils as evidence. We will find it. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. And here's the interesting thing about the National Association of Biology Teachers. Look, look at the statement that they have. The diversity of life on Earth is the outcome of evolution. An unsupervised, impersonal, unpredictable, and random process of genetic modification that is affected by natural selection, chance, and changing environments. Man is the result of purposeless process that did not have him in mind. In other words, random, arbitrary, no intentionality, Nothing in mind, no supervision, no intelligent design. It's this random process that eventually becomes so complex and we are formed. And this is what is taught. And if you don't believe that, you're unscientific, you're illogical, you're archaic, you're uneducated. And so even Charles Darwin said if his theory is correct, then these fossils that we would know that man's evolved will eventually appear. Until this day, we've had moments where evolutionists think they have found the missing links between ape and man, but, they, but, they don't, but they're wrong. For example, in 1891, Dr. Eugene uh, Du Bois, he found a, a, a thigh bone, he found a jaw bone and two different teeth, and he found it in 1891, and they called it Java Man. 
uh, Pithecanthropus erectus is the scientific name. And uh, based on that, based on his findings, they began to draw an imaginary ape man. And they dated the findings 700,000 years old. And they said for 40 years, they said, this is the missing link. And they were teaching it to students. They were telling, this is the missing link of man's e evolution evolved from, from ape. Eventually, after 40 years of National Geographic, they did more extensive study. They realized that what they found was actually bones that belonged to a modern-day gibbon. It was a monkey. It wasn't the missing link. In 1912, Dr. Charles Dawson, he found a teeth and a skull. And for 45 years, they, based on that, they drew an imaginary ape man again. They called it Piltdown Man. They drew this imaginary ape man. They dated him 500,000 to 700,000 years old. They said, this is the missing link. They were teaching it for 45 years. In 1950, they realized that it was the most greatest colossal hoax. Because what Dr. Charles Dawson did, you can read up all about it, what he did, he actually manipulated the findings. He himself put a human skull, took the jaw of an orangutan, and put it together. He then dyed the skull with iron salt to make it look dated. He even filed the teeth, and he and his team hid it in a hill and then pretended, acted like they found this finding. And for 45 years, they were teaching that this was legit, that this is the missing link, and it was all a hoax. It was all manipulated by this evolutionist. The latest one, November 30, Dr. Donald Johansson, sorry, Dr. Donald Johansson in 1974, November 30, he found what, we, what they call Lucy. And the reason why they call it Lucy is because they were listening to the Beatles, that song Lucy, and they decided to call the, 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 what they're finding is Lucy. And this is like the poster child. This is what they cling on uh, to talk about evolution. The problem with Lucy, and when you see the display, this is the exact display in the Smithsonian Museum. The problem with that is that most of those bones are not actual findings. That's all imaginary, made up. But they don't give you that damaging information. In fact, someone, someone wrote this about that exact display, and this is an actual scientist. He says, the reconstructed bones have different colors, but the feet are completely imaginary, and the original hip bones, crucial to the claim of walking upright, were fragmented and modified to fit an upright walking narrative. Most of the skull consists of bits of bones, and it's not even sure if the bones were the same individual or the same species. Yet that information is not given in the museums. It's all portrayed. It's all displayed as these, this fact that it really did happen, and it's all unproven theory. Because here's the thing. When it comes to evolution, it's not so much of a scientific issue. We're not against science. But the biggest problem, it becomes a philosophical issue. It's not so much about the research and the science. It's more about, listen, we don't believe in a God. We don't believe in a creator. We don't believe in this omnipotent and all-powerful God who created us. So we're going to believe in this uh, theory that is not proven. That's why Dr. George Walt the professor of biology of Harvard, he's a winner of Nobel Prize in biology. Look, look at what he says. 
when it comes to the origin of life, you only have two possibilities as to how life arose. One is spontaneous generation. The other is a supernatural creative act of God. There is no third possibility. He says of spontaneous generation, the idea that life arose from non-living matter, that idea is scientifically disproved. This leads us scientifically to only one possible conclusion. Life arose as a supernatural act of God. But I will not accept that philosophically because I do not want to believe in God. Therefore, I choose to believe in that which I know is scientifically impossible, spontaneous generation. It's not so much about a scientific issue. It's more about a philosophical issue. I don't believe in God, so I choose to believe in this. Dr. Arthur Keith, the evolutionary atheist, he said, evolution is unproved and unprovable. We believe it only because the other alternative is a special creation, which is unthinkable. You know, I heard a Christian, a, a pastor say, say this, and I think it's so true, so, so right, so accurate, that it takes more faith to believe in evolution and to be an atheist than to believe in God. Come on, let me say that again. All right, a couple people heard that. Let me say it again. Let me speak to Wes Kendall right now. It takes more faith to believe in evolution and be an atheist than it is to believe in God. And here's the problem with evolution. And I want you to write this down. This is so important. If you're taking notes, write this down as your next two points. It devalues humanity and discredits God. Evolution devalues humanity and it discredits God. In other words, evolution says you are not, you're not God's masterpiece. You're not his crowning act. You're not his treasured possession. You're not special. God didn't create you. He didn't put his intelligent design in creating you, into forming you. You are an act of evolution. You are a product of cosmic blunder. You came out of nowhere. You came out of non-living matter. And what it does, it actually devalues. It actually diminishes. It actually brings down the, the identity and the dignity of humanity. You're just another species. You're just another animal. You are in the same level, in the same playing field as an animal. Excuse me. Yes, we love our animals. Yes, I love Spikey. Yes, I love my cat. Yes, I love my dog. But I am not in the same playing field because God didn't just make me. He created me to have a personal and intimate relationship with him. How many of you believe that today? I am preaching to somebody today that has been skeptical of the faith. Come on and give Jesus a loud shout of praise. And the other thing, it discredits God. God is the creator of things. If you create something and someone else takes the credit, you're going to be upset. Now, God doesn't need the glory. He doesn't become more glorious. God is infinite glorious. He doesn't need it, yet he deserves it. Look what the Bible says in Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things, and by your will they were existed. They existed and were created. The problem is, the glory goes to the paleontologists. 
The glory goes to the evolutionists. The glory goes to the scientists. The glory goes to those who are doing extensive research, who are putting all this time to try to disprove the belief in the idea of creationism and God. But here's the thing. God is the only one that deserves the worship, the exaltation, the glory, the honor, the reverence. God, you created me. Thank you, Lord, that I'm here. I am here with a purpose. I am here for a reason because you created me. And the amazing thing is, Write this down as your next point. You are God's crowning act. Say with me, crowning. crowning. Say it like you mean it, crowning. crowning. If you ever doubt that God created you, look at your body. We are a complex system. The complexity, the engineering, the design, the intentionality, the way that we've been put together, how precise we are. I have several uh, doctors, I know several doctors who are believers, Christian uh, physicians, and my doctor's a believer, she's amazing, and she told me, Pastor Carlos, when I began to study medicine, it just made my faith stronger in Jesus to see the complexity of who we are as human beings, how precise we are. Our bodies, we have 10 main systems. Within our bodies, we have 78 organs. All of them are functioning, and we're not even thinking about it. They're all working at this very moment. We have 200, diff 200 different types of cells, over 30 to 40 trillion cells in your body. You have a skeletal system where there are 200 bones that are protecting you, are protecting the, the organs. If someone hits you, it protects what's inside of you. You have a muscular system, three different types of mus muscles that we have in our bodies. We have a digestive system. We have a cardiovascular system. We have this heart that's pumping blood to about 60,000 miles of veins and arteries are in our body and it's pumping blood. We're not even thinking about it. And it's getting blood and oxygen to the trillion, 30 trillion cells that we have. We have a reproductive system. You can create another you and enjoy it while you're at it. <laughs> Praise Jesus. Kids should be in CF Kids. Think about that. We, we have a nervous system. We have a digestive system, a lymphatic system, an endocrine system. All these ten, ten main systems working together, the complexity, they all validate, they all affirm, they all point to a creator who, who put his intelligence, who put his creativity, and forming us to have a personal relationship with him. Amen? In fact, with that in mind, take a look at this powerful video. Take a look at this video. The human body is a complex network of cells, tissues, and organs that together make life possible. Ten major systems are responsible for the body's functions. Skeletal, muscular, cardiovascular, nervous, endocrine, lymphatic, respiratory, digestive, urinary, reproductive. The skeletal, muscular, cardiovascular, and nervous systems in particular create an infrastructure that facilitates the other systems. 
The adult skeletal system is a framework of over 200 bones. They hold the body together, give it shape, and protect its organs and tissues. The skeleton also provides anchor points for the muscular system, which includes three types of muscles, skeletal, smooth, and cardiac. They are found throughout the body and facilitate movement. Nestled within these muscles is the cardiovascular system, a pipeline that includes the heart, blood vessels, and the blood itself. Also called the circulatory system, the cardiovascular system delivers oxygen, white blood cells, hormones, and nutrients throughout the body. Lastly, the nervous system is a communication network of nerve cells that the body uses to transmit information and coordinate bodily functions. It's comprised of the brain, the hub of sensory and intellectual activity, the spinal cord, and the many cranial and spinal nerves that emanate from them. All of these systems require energy to function, and that's where the respiratory and digestive systems come in. The respiratory system is a group of passageways and organs that extracts life-giving oxygen from the air we breathe. Air enters the body through nasal cavities, travels down the throat, and is then transported to the lungs. The lungs extract oxygen for the body to use and then expel a carbon dioxide byproduct when we exhale. Energy can also come in the form of food. The digestive system is an approximately 30-foot series of organs that convert food into fuel. Humans are complicated organisms, but when our 10 major organ systems are healthy, they ensure our well-being. Is that awesome? Is that awesome? Listen, that's just a snapshot of the complexity and the engineering that takes place, that took place to, to create us and to form us. And so I want to read this passage before we leave once again in Hebrews 2.6. What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? In other words, who am I, Lord, that you think about me, that I'm in your thoughts, that you pursue me, that you care for me, that you protect me, uh, that you're after me, that you love me? You made him for a little while lower than angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor. You know, the Bible says in Genesis, in the creation account, that God created the heavens and the earth, and the creation account, it took him seven days. The seventh day, he, he rested. And the number seven in the Bible, in case you don't know this, it represents completion. It, it represents completion. We see it all throughout Genesis to Revelation. God created the heavens and the earth. He created every created being that we see here and everything that we get to enjoy uh, for his glory. And he did that in seven days. We see in the book of John that Jesus talks about the different seven I am statements, and every I am statement is a characteristic of who God is. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the door. I am the gate. I am the light in the darkness. I am the vine. Seven different I am statements. Jesus Christ, was when he was on the cross and he was hanging to uh, take all of the sin of this world and to forgive us from our sins, the Bible says in the Gospels that there were seven statements that Jesus says while he's on the cross. He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. He says, I, I, I am thirsty. He says, this day you will be with me in paradise. He said, it is finished. And so he utters seven statements before he breathes his last breath. We see in the book of Revelation 
that the Apostle John writes to seven different churches, the church in Philadelphia, the church in Laodicea, the church of Smyrna, uh, the church of Ephesus. Uh, we see seven different uh, things, seven different churches in the book of Revelation. And here's what I want you to know. I don't know if you're, you believe this stuff. Maybe you're like, ah, I'm still not sure. I, I, I'm still not, you know, I'm not clear and, and I'm still skeptical. Here's what I do want you to know. The only way that you can find completion in life is not by uh, your job. It's not by a relationship. It's not by having uh, wealth and possessions or a business. It's only through Jesus Christ. That's the only way that you can find completion. Amen? So with that being said, I want to remind you today of seven things that the Bible, the Word of God, says about who you are. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, the Bible says that you are called. In other words, God called you. He chose you. He has given you an assignment so that you can share the gospel and the message of Christ to other people. In Ephesians 1, 7, the Bible says that you have been redeemed. What does that mean? That now that you are in Jesus, you are a new creation. You're not who you used to be. You're not what you were, but you're now who Christ says you are, and you are a new creation in Christ. All things have gone. All the old things have gone, and all the new things have come. The Bible says in Romans 8:33 that you have been elected. In other words, before the foundation of this earth, before he created the heavens and the earth, before we, he wrote Genesis chapter 1, God had already elected you, he already had chosen you, he already had selected you to be his son and to be his daughter and to have an everlasting relationship with the Creator. The Bible says in Romans 8.15 that you have been adopted as his son and his daughter, not by coming to church, not by being a good person, but only through Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6, that you are a treasured possession, the apple of his eye. You are special, fearfully and wonderfully made. You're not a mistake and you're not here by accident. You're not here arbitrarily. God himself sees and says that you are special. And here's the amazing thing. In 2 Corinthians 5, 21, the Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin so that through him you may have the righteousness of God. You have been declared righteous. Here's what I want you to remind you today. You have been created. You have been called, redeemed, elected, adopted, treasured, empowered, and declared righteous because you were created by the omnipotent, immutable, omniscient, all-sovereign God. How many of you believe that today? Come on and give Jesus a loud shout of praise. Come on and let's stand to our feet and let's sing it together. Let's worship together. Let's declare this. Come on, church.
bow your head and close your eyes in this room if you're watching us online if you're at one of our campuses maybe you're joining us for the first time or maybe you've been coming here for many weeks and you heard about this series skeptics welcome and you've been skeptical about the faith and you've been unsure unclear maybe you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus my friend I want to remind you today the Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God Romans 3 23 and for the wages of sin is death Romans 6 23 but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ and today my friend you have an opportunity to make the best decision that you can ever make in your entire life you can give your life to Jesus you can surrender your life to Christ today with no one looking I'm not gonna call you to come to the front I'm not gonna put you in the spot but I want to pray for you I want to know who you are and so as every head is bowed and every eye is closed in this room if you're watching us online with no one looking if you're like Pastor Carlos that message was for me I needed to hear that and I want to give my life to Jesus right now in this very moment would you just take a moment right now and lift up your hand as high as you can with no one looking in this room God bless you ma'am in the front God bless you salvation has come to you God bless you in the back God bless you God bless you God bless you God bless you you're making that decision God bless you ma'am in the back God bless you God bless you all the way in the last row God bless you God bless you salvation has come to you young person in the front in the middle God bless you even if you did not lift up your hand it's not lifting the hand that saves you it's not the prayer that saves you but rather it's the condition of your heart God wants your heart he wants it all he wants you to surrender his life to you you can only find completion in Jesus let me pray for us right now if you made that decision today you can pray the same exact prayer or you can pray something similar father God I just come before you and I recognize that I'm a sinner in need of saving Jesus I believe that you died you were buried and you were raised from the grave for my sins Jesus I ask you to come into my life make me a new creation today I ask you to be my Lord to be my Savior to be my best friend to be my everything I repent from my old ways and I run to you today thank you Jesus for dying on the cross for my sins I love you write my name in the book of life it's in your holy and precious name that I pray amen and amen Christ fellowship if you're excited for those that said that prayer I want to give it to them amen if you made that decision to follow Jesus make sure you go to our next steps area we have a Bible that we want to give you before you leave today and so we want to welcome you to God's family I want to invite all the campus pastors forward so they can come now I love you Christ fellowship have an incredible day God bless you take care